Welcome to Sportsman of Colorado, Colorado's premier outdoor radio show heard every Saturday afternoon on KLZ 560 with insights on hunting, fishing, archery, guns, and ammo from Colorado's top outfitters featuring the industry's leading experts on how to enhance your experience in the great outdoors. Now, here's your host, Scott Watley. Sportsman of Colorado. My name is Scott Watley. We appreciate you being with us today. A beautiful day here in the Mile High City. Kevin Flesh joins us as well. Kevin, how are you, sir? Great, Scott. How are you? I'm well, man. This weather just makes makes me think about fishing already. And I'm telling you, that's why this morning we were talking about this show. I'm like, hey, if you want to go fishing, go fishing. Wow. It is beautiful out there and uh, a little bit of snow. I know it. Here of late, too. We got pounded out in Highlands Ranch, man. Yes. Unbelievable. All right. Well, we thank you for joining us. I tell you, it's hard to believe it. Um, January's already behind us. We had the International Sportsman's Expo, and that was a great, great show. And, uh, um, man, made a lot of new friends and got to see a lot of our um, past clients there as well. But, again, that was just a great, great show. And today, most of our show is going to be spent on the upcoming Colorado Springs Sportsman and Boat Expo, and uh, we've got several of our friends going to be there, and we'll go through some of those, but Outdoor Buddies, a few of our groups that we're trying to help out too, Outdoor Buddies, American Heroes in Action, uh, are going to be there, and we'll talk about some archery things coming up. They're going to be doing a 3D archery tournament there, and we want to thank Wynn with Colorado Outdoor Sports. He donated a uh, deer hunt uh, for the winner of that archery shoot, so uh, it's going to be cool, so we'll be talking a little bit about that. But in studio today... Uh, We're going to be talking a little bit about elk calling and all with the folks from Mile High Note Game Calls. Tom, how are you, sir? Pretty good, Scott. How are you? It's good, man. Got your whole family here? Yep, the whole family's here, Jesse and Thomas. All right. Well, good deal. And uh, you can follow Mile High Note Game Calls on Facebook and uh, as well as their website. And I noticed the other day you were doing kind of a promo of giving something away or doing something special there. What was it? Yeah, we had a giveaway with uh, Good Bull Outdoors. Uh, Okay. They they had twenty thousand followers and asked us to donate some stuff and so um, we donated a calling kit with them and and then uh, I think we netted about I don't know close to four hundred new followers oh wow. so it was a pretty good little deal That'll for us and yeah. and uh, yeah so um, you know and we're doing that elk calling contest at the sportsman show coming up here and so um, I'm trying to pull together some donations for that as well. And um, we've already got some pretty good prizes for the show, and uh, we're hoping we get a really good turnout for the calling contest. So Yeah, and this is what we call an amateur one, right? Right, right, okay. yeah. So take yeah. a minute and kind of explain the difference of what we kind of did at ISE versus what this is going to be. Sure. So the amateur is, you know, all you hunters out there that uh, are good elk callers, because there's a lot of people that are good elk callers out there. Um, but, uh, the pro division at the, at the ISE show, um, is people that either work for a calling company or they're repping calls or they own a call company. And, uh, Thomas and I usually call in that pro division down there. And then, uh, um, they also have an amateur division at the ISE show as well. So, um, but this is strictly, uh, uh, amateur show, uh, an amateur calling contest at the Sportsman Show. So that's coming up in Colorado Springs. So no pro callers will be there. So it gives everybody a chance to show off their skill and and hopefully win that first place prize. So absolutely, I tell you what, we've got uh, several pairs of tickets for that. So if you would like uh, some tickets for this, again, it is February twenty second through the twenty fourth, and Friday. On the 22nd, the hours are 2 to 7. Saturday, on the 23rd, the hours are 10 to 6. 
Then on Sunday, the last day, 11 to 4. This is at the Colorado Springs Event Center at 3960 Palmer Park Boulevard at Academy. And um, we're going to have a lot going on there. They're going to have fly fishing demos and, uh, and then the elk calling contest, survivalist Donnie Dust. And, Kevin, you remember Donnie? I do remember Donnie. Man, that guy's the real deal. He, is. Man. he walked. He walked in here the first time, and, man, I'm like, dude, you're scared. I mean, he looked like he just came off of a mountain, man. Didn't, yeah. didn't you talk about the fact that he was on alone or was going to be uh, Yeah, he, he just finished some show um, and where they took and dropped him off right. somewhere. And uh, so we're we'll looking to hear forward it. to Getting to getting him on the show here to hear him talk about that, but Absolutely. then they're going to have some great extreme adventure giveaways as well, and uh, a lot of screaming deals on boats. And kids are free, age sixteen and under, by the way. But again, if you'd like tickets, uh, give us a call, Charlie. Get your information. I'll call you after the show, and we'll get you tickets. So, Kevin, before we get the elk calling stuff, uh, Andy, ask you if you had a chance to get out in January fishing much. You know, we didn't. Uh... Didn't do a whole lot of fishing in in uh, January. Did a bunch of bird hunting with the new, uh, relatively new dog. So um, I've been doing some of that. But getting geared up, I was telling these guys before we started the show. I was so nice this morning. I took the dog off for a long walk and then uh, came back and started working on some saltwater gear because I'm leaving for the Bahamas and in, in March. And so it's that time of year we sort of start. Sure. You know, you get these beautiful days. We were like, oh man, it's not going to be that long before we are going to start fishing. So this is the time, especially with all the sports shows that have been going on mm-hmm. too. ISC found uh, found a couple of new friends relating right. to uh, some of the different things that we'll do this summer, and and then uh, looking forward to the Colorado Springs show too, just to get geared up. Absolutely, that time of year. And we're going to be kicking off something there uh, different this year at the Colorado Springs Sportsman and Boat Expo, and it's kind of a ask the experts kind of deal, and so. Um, um, Kevin, you're involved in that as well. Because, <laughs> Good. Hopefully and, I can find somebody. Yeah, no, and, uh, and a lot of different uh, folks are going to be in that. And before we get out of here, we'll kind of give you some of the breakdown on who's going to be doing what there. But I uh, definitely want you in there for uh, just legal stuff with concealed carry. Sure. And with the side of your law firm that handles, you know, hey, we accidentally do something wrong out there while yep. we're hunting. Hey, how to handle that? Yeah, I just finished up a big uh, wildlife violation uh for an outfitter on the western slope and so uh, lots lots going on with that and it's an interesting process if you're if people get involved in in anything and get a ticket and don't know what to do certainly give us a call relating to it because it's a little bit complicated you've got the criminal side of it but you've also got the cpw side where your hunting privileges may be suspended and it's a separate process similar to what we run into with duis and the department of revenue so i want to help folks through that it's not quite as adversarial as the uh as the Department of Revenue, but you still have to show uh, CPW what took place and why. Try to mitigate the uh, the suspension when it comes to points. Sure, because they they are serious. They are serious. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you um, get more than twenty points, and you got to start talking about it. They they remind you that our our hunting heritage is a privilege when mm-hmm. it comes to uh, taking game. So yeah. it is an interesting process to go through, but certainly uh, one that we've navigated on a number of occasions, and and so we can help folks with that. All right, and again, if this is the first time you've caught our show by chance or not familiar, uh, Kevin is an attorney here in town, Flesh and Beck Law, and I always tell you, put Kevin's number in your phone. Uh, hopefully you never need it, but when you need a, a good attorney that understands uh, hunting and fishing and gun rights and all that. Yeah, it was funny when we were at the ISE show, a couple of uh, CPW officers came by, and I just finished a case up with one of them, and I didn't recognize him, and he came over and said hello to us at the booth. So okay. it's always kind of fun to get, 
to see those guys outside of the sure you know the, the lawyer setting where we can actually just talk shop a little bit and not be adversarial so. right and that number is 303-806-8886 303-806-8886 fleshlawfirm.com is his website all right let's talk a little out calling here um so tom for those that maybe um aren't familiar with your product man could you have picked a more competitive field to get know, into, right? first of all. Man, I'm <laughs> telling you is. what, you walk in our stores now, and I mean, aisle after aisle after aisle of just different calls. So Yeah, it's it's tough out there. It's it's even tough for us to, to break through some of the stores. Oh, you I'm know, sure. And, There's only so many shelves. Yeah. And, yeah, and there's some great products out there and great calls out there and great companies out there to buy from, you know, and... But this kind of all started as a just a hobby for us, you know, just uh, being so passionate about elk hunting and bow hunting and um, calling elk for the last 30 years and stuff. And, you know, I've always been active in calling contests and stuff. And, um, you know, some of the call consistency over the years was pretty rough, you know, especially back in the mid-80s and, and towards the early 90s. You know, I'd, I'd, I'd buy a call and I'd really like it, and then I'd buy the same call, you know, and, and it would sound different. So that's kind of what got me motivated to start making my own calls was for the contest calling. And then we figured out uh, really good recipes, you know, thickness of latex and the stretch of those uh, late, the, the latex on the calls, on the mouth diaphragms, and, uh, and just uh, kind of locked in what really worked for us. And then we started handing calls out to everybody, and they were like, man, I love these calls. These are great calls. Can, can we buy them, you know? And then started thinking about it, and I thought, well, let's, let's try to market it and sell it. And sell it. So sure. we've been doing well for the last uh, five years now. So we're in Sportsman's Warehouse and Shield stores and Jack stores here in town and uh, a lot of the local archery shops and stuff. So, okay. um, But you're right. It's such a competitive business. Yeah. It is. Absolutely. Yeah, someone who's never done it. I've never called. Uh, L call. So what is somebody looking for in the way of a call when they're first starting out, let's say, in comparison to someone that, you know, knows what they're doing? Sure. The, uh, you know, the diaphragm call takes some practice to use. Um, it's hands-free, which is a real big benefit. Um, so it really, you know, a lot of it just depends on how much effort you want to put into it. Um, you know, I, I do call in classes out of my house and, and work with one-on-one people and, and groups and stuff. I've got four guys coming tomorrow actually to do a class. So, um, pretty busy with that all year long. Those are the kind of guys that are really wanting to learn to call elk and be really good at it. So, um, you know, I teach how to use the diaphragm and the fit of the diaphragm and the beginning sounds to make and all of that kind of stuff. Um, but then there's other calls out there that are open read calls that are fairly easy to use. You just blow on them, you know, put some lip pressure on them. And, th- and those are for guys that really struggle with the diaphragms or they just don't want to put the time in with the diaphragms. So the read call, is that similar almost to a duck call and that sort of thing and what it looks like? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, you know, this guy here that oh, I got okay. around my neck, it's just got a a real big soundboard and, and you just kind of put your top lip on it and uh, put some pressure and blow out of it and you can get a good cow, cow sound out of it. So you can get a nice little cow sound out of it. Yeah, You can get a bugle out of it as well. Um, the one thing that we are doing different than any of our competitors are is we have, you know, our, our hollow grunt tubes and we just came out with a new grunt tube this year called the... Um, the uh, enhancer and it's a pack tube and Mm. it's real short and it's real lightweight because we heard from a lot of guys you know they don't 
like carrying the big tubes around with them, you know, even though the sound is incredible with the big tubes, I, I'll always carry a big tube because I love the sound. But, you know, we heard that. So we came out with that little tube and it was a huge success at the ISE show. Everybody, I mean, we sold so many of them that I, we ran out of stock. So, oh. um, but I'm back into stock now. And, um, but the thing that we do is we flatten the edge out of our, our wood call here, the, the uh, external reed call, which is called the floozy. And it slides right into the end of the tube. So you can, you know, get a different sound with that as well. And this is the... Um, the new enhancer tube. So you just slide that right into the end. And you get that little oh, whiny noise yeah. at the end of it versus without it. So, and it gives you just another option to sound like multiple elk really. And then, you know, if you want to rip off a bugle with this open reed call, it's not going to sound as realistic as the diaphragm calls do, mm -hmm. but you can get a, a good bugle with this as well. Just a locator so you can get a little locating bugle with that as well wow yeah pretty cool that is very cool <laughs> absolutely so jesse real quick we got to hit a break real but um you know we see some females that get in these contests and man some really good call oh, what's man. the young lady's name? hannah hannah yeah yeah, they, yeah. she does just yeah, the she voice, does the voice yeah, calling, yeah and i mean i'm like yeah. you got to be kidding me you know Incredible. she's <laughs> she is really really good but yeah what age did you start getting in? Oh, man. Since we could walk, we were dragging around elk tubes probably. <laughs> but as far as competitively goes, you know, it was probably more, I don't know, end of high school years, beginning of college years. Um, I kind of started coming around with these guys. They've been into it, you know, pretty heavy. <laughs> For me, it was more just the family time and being around that and, and being able to have it be more of a family adventure. And, and, I, and just being outdoors is just, yeah. as a family, is just where it's at for us. So, sure, sure. Yeah. All right. Well, we got to take a short break. You're listening to Sportsman of Colorado. If you've got any questions about elk calling, give us a call. We've got the experts in-house, 303-477-5600. We'll be right back. You were just walking into that store when you were in a slip and fall accident as a result of the store owner's negligence. Flesh and Beck know what to do. First, make a report of the incident with the store owner. It's important to have an official document of all the important details. Second, make a note of all of your injuries so you can report them to your doctor as soon as you can. Third, take pictures of the conditions and location of the accident. And remember, it's your job to take care of yourself. Don't waste time arguing about who's at fault. Then, call Flesh and Beck. Call me, Kevin Flesh, at Flesh Law to get a professional opinion. I will answer all your questions, and I will help you determine if you're entitled to compensation for your pain and suffering. If you've been injured in an accident, call me, Kevin Flesh, at 303-806-8886 for a free consultation to find out if we can help you get the compensation you deserve. Let me tell you about one of my favorite stores, The Outdoorsman's Attic, a consignment store for all of your adventure outdoor gear. Hunting, fishing, camping, kayaks, live bait, survival gear, backpacks, sleeping bags, firearms, and ammo. Save 20, 30, 40, and even 50% on new and pre-owned items at The Outdoorsman's Attic. Mention Sportsman of Colorado and save up to 20% on your purchase. This offer excludes firearms and ammo. Never pay retail again. Big savings and friendly service is what you'll find at the Outdoorsman's Attic. Located at 2650 West Hampton Avenue in Sheridan. 303-781-3626. That's 303-781-3626. Check them out, outdoorsmansattic.com. 
Rush to Reason with John Rush. Weekdays from 3 to 7 on KLZ 560. Welcome back to Sportsman Colorado. My name is Scott Watley. We appreciate you being with us. Charlie, looks like we had another call coming in here on the screen. Kevin Flesh is also with us, and we have the now, Tom, it's Desing, right? Yeah, I want to make sure I had it right. All right, Tom Desing and uh, Thomas and Jesse, they're in for Mile High Note Game Call. So if you've got any questions about elk calling, uh, we've got the experts here. We're going to go to the phones real quick, and I uh, appreciate Trevin taking a few minutes. I know he's busy working on some TV things, but wanted to have him on a few minutes. He is also going to be at the Colorado Springs Sportsman and Boat Expo. That's Trevin Stolfus, host of Outback Outdoors on the Sportsman's Channel. Trevin, how are you, sir? I am doing great. How are you, Scott? Hey, man, we're doing good. Sorry about all this phone hassle. We appreciate you calling in. Uh, you guys have had some, some issues, haven't you? Yes. We actually have phones today, so that's like, a step in the right direction. I feel like direction. doing a commercial for CenturyLink <laughs> yes. right now. But, uh, can you hear me now? Yeah, can you hear me now? <laughs> oh. Well, Trevin, hey, take a few minutes and um, update us on a um, few of the shows you've been at and what's been going on in the industry a little bit, and then we'll talk about the Colorado Springs Sportsman Boat Expo. Yeah, we uh, we're in full bore show season. Uh, ATA shot show. We got cheap show coming up. Um, just one of those things where uh, really we like to call it flu season because basically <laughs> that's what's going to happen. Man, no you're gonna doubt. Go to, and you're going to get the flu. Um, I got a chance to speak at the ISE here in Denver. I always love to do that. And um, so yeah, it's uh, right now. We're also. Uh, we just finished a bunch of films for some of the big film festivals that travel around the full draw film tour. Um, we uh, we won the Badlands uh, uh, Yeti selection for the best overall film and at the ATA here with one of our our films. And yeah, I saw yeah, that. So, Congratulations. Yeah. Yeah, a lot a lot going on. We're kind of about ready to get to dive into uh, the footage we filmed from last year, which of course will be uh, shown on the on the sportsman's channel um third and fourth quarter on outback outdoors so yeah it's uh it's a busy time but it's not a busy time as much in the in the field unless we can get out and do some waterfowl hunting and then we got turkeys coming up so yeah plenty to do sure all right the colorado Springs sportsman boat and expo again if you're just getting in the car turn on the radio that's february 22nd through the 24th trevin will also be there and uh, doing a seminar and being on our Ask the Expert panel as well. So, uh, what are you going to be talking there on your seminar? Yeah, you know, I'm going to I'm going to be talking uh, about uh, how to be an alpha bow hunter. And I didn't coin that phrase. That was more of a a, a phrase coined by uh, uh, our good friend, your, yours too, uh, Phil Mendoza, No mm-hmm. Limits. Right. Um, and I had a chance last year to go through. You know, I've been bow hunting for a long time, but I got a chance to go through his. Uh, full day seminar and some of the different uh, things that some of the different training he does um, and was really just blown away uh, about some of the things that I uh, had thought I knew that I didn't know so I guess that's good right you're always learning sure Um, uh, things just like uh, effective range you know when you talk about what is your effective range as an archer the bow hunter um, a lot of people say well you know I can group it uh, in 90 yards you know so my effective range is 90 yards and what people tend to forget is that, that, you know, we're out there on a shooting range or in my case in my backyard, you know, uh, where I've got a kind of an archery uh, set up where I can shoot out to 120, 150 yards if I wanted. But that doesn't mean that's going to be mimic a hunting situation where there's, you know, no wind and you're standing there and, oh, I didn't make a good shot, so I'm going to shoot another one. 
Um, and so what he does is he breaks it down to really truly find your effective range. And then uh, your effective range also has uh, uh, little to do with your accuracy. It also has to do with animal posture. It has a lot to do with whether um, the, the actual ground you're standing on. I mean, are you mm-hmm. kneeling? Are you squatting? Are you on a, a slope? Are you shooting at a steep angle? And, uh, and then, of course, uh, the ability to uh, be able to think through these things before you get out in the field. And, and to be quite transparent, I, I shoot pretty decent and, and uh, would have said that it was an 80-yard shot for, for me, having as much as I shoot, isn't that bit much of an issue. And then when I went through his class <laughs> and he actually tested me, I found that my, my true effective range was less than that. Right. And the thing about that is once you find your effective range, you cut it in thirds. And then, because your first thirds, you know, you can, you, the first third, that zero, let's, let's use 60 as an example. A zero to 20 is your first third. You can get away with a lot of things. You can have an animal more alert. You can have a little more wind because it's zero to 20 yards. Whereas when you get into your second third and for sure that third third, that, that you know, that, that 40, 50, and 60 distance, well, you need an animal unaware. You need all of these things to come together. But if you think through these things before you step out in the field, nine times out of ten, if you draw back on on an animal, a lot of people, that arrow is going to fire, whether it's a good shot or not. And for us, we owe it to the animals to, to have have that forethought and be able to practice those uh, situation. It's really situational bow hunting. And so I'm going to talk through some of those things and share some of the things I've done in the past that perhaps I shouldn't have done. <laughs> and and sure, I've I've done recently that changed because of this uh, line of thinking. Because we as bow hunters, we as hunters in general, need to police ourselves. We need to be be of the highest integrity because we owe it to those animals. Sure, sure. Well, again, man, we're looking forward to it, and uh, appreciate you doing that. And so, come out and see us. February 22nd through the 24th. It's a Colorado Springs Sportsman and Boat Expo. Kids 16 and under are free. And, again, we've got tickets. If you'd like a pair, uh, give us a call, 303-477-5600. Charlie will take your information, and we'll call you after the show and get them to you. You can check out the website, CS for Colorado Springs, cssportsmanexpo.com for more information. But, um, again, a lot of our friends are going to be there um, when Colorado Outdoor Sports, Donnell Johnson, Lisa Thompson, Robert Younghands, the bug guy. So, Kevin, a little bit of fishing, yep, fishing stuff there, teaching awesome. everybody about all that. Yep. And, uh, as I mentioned, uh, Trevin will be there as well. So, Trevin, hey, man, I, I know you're busy, but I appreciate it, and uh, we'll try to get you on again here before the expo actually comes up. Awesome. Sounds good. You guys uh, have a good show, and uh, we'll talk soon. All right, bud. Appreciate it. That's Trevin Stolfus, and you can follow him on Facebook as well, Outback Outdoors. And, again, his show is on the third and fourth quarter of the Sportsman's Channel, Outback Outdoors TV. All right, Jesse, why you're, uh, good. See, you're getting a drink right before you can. <laughs> yeah, so let, let's hear you do a little calling over there and let, right. tell us a little bit about your philosophy in calling because everybody's different, right, Tom? They are, you, yep, you talk to yep. people about how much you should call, when you should call, and, man, you get every million answers. Yeah, and the, the more contest calling we do, you know, the more we got to dial back when we're in the field. And, you know, unless you've got a really big bull that's really screaming at you, you don't want to sound too big, you know, when you're out there. So right. so sometimes it's, uh, it's good to sound a little smaller when you're hunting, actually. Sure. Yeah, exactly. Definitely two different mentalities. <laughs> right. Between right. the show mentality and the field mentality. So, 
Yeah, so I'm just using our double read here. Um, I prefer this read. You get a lot more range out of this read. Um, single is what I used to use. Um, it's a little bit easier. So when you're starting out, a single read is definitely um, preferable because you don't have to use as much pressure and, and pressure to air, you know, um, range, I guess you could say. Um, but I like this one now. So I'll give a couple cow calls on here. Then um, I can do a sure. bugle. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Whatever Charlie will let you do. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to get in trouble. <laughs> we don't want to blow anybody's ears off. <laughs> it was just a couple cow calls. And like you said, Tom, earlier, um, boy, and I've learned just if you can sound like a few cows over there, yeah. that's going to draw the bull probably exactly. quicker than just, just one single call. Yeah, yeah, because... Him come running up, he gets he gets four or five cows instead of just the one cow. Right. And uh, you kind of heard when Jesse even did those few calls there, she had a couple softer right. cow calls that sounded like maybe a little cow-calf communication going on. So Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so this will be your bugle now? Yeah. Okay. All right. I don't want to get in trouble. Okay. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> good. Just brace yourself in the car. Brace right. yourself in the car. All right. <laughs> Very good. That is really good. <laughs> I so, wish we could show people what it looked like. You're I, doing know, I know, I know. I need to get John to keep us hooked up with his Facebook Live feed. So when you talk about um, sounding small or sounding big, explain that just a little bit. Because, you know, sometimes, I mean, man, a few years ago we were in Walden um, and uh, hunting with a guy. And um, Bull bugled, and he blew a real aggressive call, and man, boom. Blew him out. Yeah, he goes. Yeah. I shouldn't have done that. And you, and you learn things by <laughs> doing do. this, you, you know. Do. So, but take kind of explain that how you do. Sure. So, um, you know, when I want to sound big, I'm doing a lot of growling in front of my bugle. You know, really getting a, a good growl going. Um, I might do what they call a buzz bugle or a lip ball in the middle of the bugle, which is buzzing your lips into the tube during your high note, and it really just exaggerates the scream of the mm -hmm. bull and sounds really if you aggressive. you want to demonstrate, and, go ahead. Sure. Um, so, you know, when you're growling, you're actually using your voice and growling into the reed. And, and then, you know, you're hitting that high note and buzzing your lips. It sounds kind of like this. So I'm going to carry on and do a lot of chuckling at the end. I'm going to do some big grunts at the end. That's when I want to sound big. Mm -hmm. Now, when I want to back off, you know, maybe I'm calling a bull that's that's not a 300-inch bull, you know, not a, not a real big one. Maybe he's in the 260, 270 class. I'm going to back off and, and kind of just be a smaller bull. And when I do that, I'm not going to growl a lot. I'm not going to buzz bugle. I'm just going to – and I'm not even going to grunt at the end a lot of times. I'll just give a, a nice little – what I call a, a kind of an immature bugle. Just something like that. Right. So that's kind of the differences, really. Um, you can do some some squealing, too, and just some, uh, you know, some spike squeals and things like that as well. Um, 
And then there is aggressive elk calling, though. Sure. I mean, you know, you get a bull that's really worked up and he's really screaming, and um, Thomas can talk a little bit about that this year. He he uh, went solo up in one of the uh, uh, open units up there, just a general unit, and, man, he got into some elk, and, and I'll let him tell about that. But he, <laughs> he got real aggressive, and it paid off for him. Right, right. Hang that story one second, Thomas, because we're going to get to you. And uh, But we're going to go to the phones real quick. Talked to Donnell Johnson. Uh, Lisa Thompson was on this with us just a couple of weeks ago, but they are with Hunt Data, Hunting Divas, Find Your Wild, um, a lot of different names, Kevin. So, yes, Donnell, how yes, are you? Yes. I'm doing great. I'm super excited. Uh, just hearing elk, just elk stories gets me all jazzed. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, man, absolutely. And again, you guys will be there for the Colorado Springs Sportsman and Boat Expo. Till, I just want to get you on a few minutes and let you talk about what you guys are going to be doing. Um, we, we will do everything from calling to, to maps. I mean, one of the things that we have found is um, if I want to be successful in my calling, to, if I can get into where those elk are more concentrated, that helps me be a lot more successful. Um, if I'm out in an area where the elk don't frequent very often, I can call till I'm blue in the face. But if I can get into an area that's a summer concentration, because that's usually because I'm an archery hunter, um, so I'm going to be out there doing all the different techniques they're talking about. And um, so it's really important. Those maps, honestly, we got those maps back in 2000, and the five years before that I've shot zero, and since 2000 I've shot 18 elk. So it's changed my life significantly. Learning how to call and learning where to call um, has changed my life um, significantly. And, you know, I, I almost said, you got a map that just shows where the elk are, but that's exactly <laughs> what your maps do. You know, it really it is. is. It is, and you know, it's fun for me because I've done I've done the ISC show now for 25 years. We just finished that in early January, but I love, love, love to have a guy come up and he'll say, "Well, show me where to hunt in my unit," and I'll I'll pull it up, and they're like, "Man, it took me 10 years to figure that out." Um, right. it, it's just really good information. It's cow callers. It's radio callers. It's it's you know it's showing their patterns. And so if I can get into where sometimes you can stay in your same unit and you go two drainages over, or sometimes you're in a bad unit. Maybe it's a winter range and you're trying to archery hunt in it, and you need to move to another unit. And I I tell people, are you willing to move? Because I did. My husband took me to the same unit for five years, and I could never find legal bulls. I'd find cows. I'd find raghorns. And I finally just said, look, I'm going to use our products. I'm going to go to a brand-new part of the state, and I shot my first bull that year. And so really important to – and some people, you know, are very – you know, it's, they maybe went there with their family for 20 years, and they don't want to give up that area. I understand that. But um, sometimes even, again, like I said, moving over one drainage or two drainages or maybe a little higher elevation, maybe get up to 9,100 feet, whatever, um, sometimes that can make a big difference for them. So, and again, calling, calling huge for me. Like I've, I've done a bugle just from my throat when I've had a herd running at me in a late fourth season when it's been below zero. And I just did a kind of a makeshift bugle with my throat cause I couldn't get to my calls and stop the herd. And I shot a cow. I mean, cow, I mean, calls to me are significant. It doesn't matter what season I'm hunting. So. Sure. Absolutely. Well, again, I just want to get you on a few minutes, let you guys talk about it. So talk just a minute about the Find Your Wild that you guys are doing. Oh, we're super excited about it. Um, we uh, we're, we partnered with International Sportsman Show this year, and, and they gave us a booth. We're actually going to be in, in Utah as well. But we're really just trying to network and create a hub for women communication. We're working with even organizations like Artemis and some of the other female organizations that are out there. We're not trying to reestablish one more nonprofit. But what we are trying to do is create a place where women can communicate, find other hunting partners, 
because um, a lot of times, in fact, I just got off the phone five minutes ago with a, a lady that just said, I just don't know where to start. And so, I, in fact, Dave and I were just talking about, I, I may start a blog, You Are Here, and, and how, to get, how to get some initiative. Because I think what I find more times than not, there's, there's kind of a, a fear, uh, fear of getting lost. That's where our maps, we always put, give them maps so when they get out there, they can drop a pen, know exactly where they're at. But, um, but, but just even to have a friend to go with, and, and I will say that women, you, you guys love to hunt together, and it, it's a, sometimes it's, a, it's just a different hunt when girls hunt together versus guys, and we're not anti-men. We say that at every, every function we talk about. We network with guys, and we help each other out um, in a lot of ways. Guys have the bigger muscles than us females. But we <laughs> you let us come about, along we, every once in yeah. a while. <laughs> exactly. But even Lisa and I, we've done times where we've had to take three trips in and out with brain packs, and it's just her and I, but we bone it out. Um, we talk about that in our classes. But our main, our main passion, we even actually stepped off of the Step Up, Step Out, and that's still a great nonprofit, but it's kind of funny because we stepped off. But we really, really, really want to focus on women. Um, we were trying to help with women and children, and we still, like we took Trevon's daughter, Avery, last year on a turkey hunt. But um, we And, just and really... mine. Don't forget about Kendall and Addie. Oh, too. I didn't. I, Kevin, I didn't know you were in there. Yeah. Oh. Um, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, and we still will do that. But what we're finding, like um, one of the ladies that talked on our panel there at the show, I mean, she was a lady that had breast cancer. Her significant other left her during that very traumatic time. And, and I just took her out on a turkey hunt. And, and it's crazy how empowering that was to her to go out with another female hunter. She felt very alone. She felt very abandoned. She was in her third um, about with breast cancer, rebuilding, you know, even just some of the tools she had to do because she couldn't pull a bow anymore because of all the breast reconstruction and all that. So being able to empower those women and get them back outdoors and, and, and it's, you, you know, when you sit on a, a mountainside and watch a sunrise or sunset, sure. and especially if you had a bull elk bugling back at you, I mean, it's just therapeutic. We need to get away from our phones, away from the crazy, busy, things that you know our, our world has gotten pretty crazy politically and everything else and so you know <laughs> that's another show we need to yeah. do yeah <laughs> lord how many more hours do you have no, no. to be able to un to truly unplug and 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 just be able to get on the mountainside and just watch a sunrise sunset and just realize that somebody made all that and it's beautiful and it's it's therapeutic for me, and I, I, I tell people, uh, they just mixed a new video of Lisa and I together, but I said, you know, the the, the backcountry is my other home, and it's, I don't have to dust it or keep it, <laughs> I don't have to keep it clean. Sure. But um, I just absolutely love it, and, and again, if you especially if you look at the women angle, they're always cleaning house and doing dishes, and, and to pull them out of that atmosphere and just like, hey, just sit down, relax, watch the sunset. Right. Um, and, and, and Lisa and I do try to, like on those horseback trips, we... Actually, that's what I, that is the one thing we are doing here. We're taking a second horseback trip this year, so we're just going to live on the flat tops this year, I think. <laughs> well, cool. But we're gonna we're going in June and August. Um, but we're we took twelve ladies last year. I've got a friend today up in Sheridan, Wyoming, buying a new house, and she said that was a result of going on the trip with us. She said, "I've always wanted to live in Wyoming. I've always wanted to do it." And some kind of courage just came into my heart after I did that that trip with you guys. Wow. And I just decided to do a dream I've always had, and I've just always been afraid. And I, I think for us, even going in on that horseback trip, we literally, that, that was the big cabin fire that was going on. We were 
And that the hotel, some of the ladies stayed at the night before we went in. There was a bunch of firefighters there. And so, you know, the ladies got scared. At least I stayed at the trailhead in a teepee because, you know, we're like that. But um, And so they came out there and met us, and, and there was smoke. You know, we were sitting there smelling smoke. You're getting on horses, and you're like, are we, are we making a bad decision? But I called... You know, I called the Forest Service. I, I, I worked with the outfitter. Lisa and I both did. And we said, look, we're not going to do something stupid, okay? We're, right. Again, we were, four, we were four drainages over, and he was going to come get us if it came over just one more drainage. So, But some of those ladies confronting some of those fears, um, it was very empowering to sure. them to say, wow, I made it. I did it. I had a great – and then we took bows in. We got Bass Pro to sponsor us, and we took a bow. It was so funny. The, the, the horse guy was – you know, he's, he's – doing the panniards and he said what is this target <laughs> like, oh, we're shooting boats we're shooting bows up there right. um, but we we took we took belly boats we had all 12 ladies at one time out there on a belly boat some of them caught their very first flight you know fly fishing caught the very first rainbow trout 67 year old lady caught her very first trout um we you know we had them all shooting bows we had a couple ladies just fell in love with archery you know their husbands had tried to get them to go you know shoot a gun but they don't like the noise and the kick and the bow is a completely different experience for that. Yeah, so obviously absolutely. It's, it's harder, a lot harder. And so your calling that you're doing today becomes absolutely, you know, crucial. But sure. anyway, it's, it's fun stuff. Well, good deal. Well, hey, we're looking forward to having you guys out there and uh, all of us uh, getting to work together again. And Donnie Dust is going to be there, our favorite survivalist. So we're looking forward to that oh, as Donnie's well. Awesome. Yeah. So and Trevin Stolfus will be out there, Robert the Bug Guy, and uh, a whole bunch of great folks. So, uh, hey, I appreciate you taking a few minutes. I just want to get you on a second and let you tell about what you're going to be doing. So uh, we will see you there. Okay. Thanks, guys. All right. Have a great day. That's right. Danelle Johnson with Hunt Data. And uh, check out their website, huntdata.com. All right, Thomas. All right. Didn't go to sleep on me over there, did you? <laughs> nope. Okay. Still here. All right. Still here. Okay. All right. So now you guys uh, both represented. I want to hear the story. Yeah, represented very well at the <laughs> ISC and the outcalling contest. So same thing with you as with Jesse. I mean, hey, you just always kind of got into this. Yeah. I mean, like Jesse said before, I could walk really. I mean, my dad has video to prove it. And, you know, I was always carrying around a bugle tube, just crawling around on the ground carrying a bugle tube. And, um, I started calling with my voice, like Hannah, um, here okay. in Colorado as well. And, um, so I did the voice division in, in the worlds for, I mean, pretty much tells about 14 and we all know what happens when you're a man around that age. So <laughs> I couldn't use my voice anymore. So, um, but then I went up to the men's division and then, uh, my dad started making the calls, the mile high note game calls. And, um, so from there I had to go up to the pro division because if you are sponsored or, you know, an affiliate with the call, okay. um, you do have to move up to the pro division. So no pressure. Um, huh? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so last year, um, was my second year in the pro division and, um, it, it went pretty well. You know, they restructured, restructured the calling contest last year at worlds and, right. um, it was more like of a March madness bracket instead of, uh, you know, you hear 30 callers and as a judge, when you hear 30 callers, you don't know who number one was versus sure. number 30. So uh, it was real nice. It took a lot longer, um, but it's real nice when you can call against someone and then, you know, you know for sure if you won or lost. Right, right. So, but yeah, calling has been in, in our lives, well, my life, my entire life. life. You know, it was, it was interesting just to see at the ISC show during the contest all the different styles of tubes that guys had. I mean, that one guy walked up there with about that eight-foot bat-looking yeah. yeah. thing. I was like, dude, are you here to hit somewhere? I mean, I'm telling you, Kevin, this thing was about eight feet long. This Wasn't cone. it made out of wood, too, yeah, or something? Yeah, I was just like, my stars, do you carry that thing out yeah, of wood? But I mean, to him about it. He made it out of maple wood. 
He's uh he's out of Loveland, Colorado too, actually. He, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever you want to do. Whatever works, yeah. yeah. All right. <laughs> so um any other calls uh, that you you uh, yeah. prefer so, or I actually so we have a single read, double read, and triple read and uh um, and what does that mean for frame. people? Maybe so, they're just getting into this. Yep. When you say single, double, triple, what yep. does that mean? So what that means is the number of layers of latex that you have on the call. So a single read has one layer, double has two, triple has three layers. Um, so we have those three calls, and we also have a single and a double, which are narrow um, palettes. So for youth, um, a lot of women use them, um, or just you know men who have a narrow roof of their mouth, because the the average size call you know is a little. I guess big for them. Mm -hmm. So they have to bend the metal in it and then it, you know, like he's like my dad said earlier, each call is stretched the latex to a certain tension. So once you bend it, that tension is gone and the call doesn't sound as good or the same. Um, so we made the smaller diaphragms this year, but uh, I personally use the triple reed. Uh, it is harder to blow than the more number of layers of latex that you have on the call. Harder it is to blow, um, but the more variation you can get out of the call. Okay. So a lot of beginners use the single read. Um, most people use the double, and then I use the triple. Um, so the triple, I can demonstrate a few things with it here. Um, you can calf call with it. You can cow call with it. Uh, you can bugle, and that's another misconception that a lot of people get from calls is, you know, there's they always ask us, which one's a good cow call? Which one's a good calf call? Mm -hmm. It's like every call is the same. Um, so it's more of a marketing ploy from the companies that, you know, this one's strictly for little bulls, this one's for big bulls, this one's for a calf. <laughs> you can make any call with it as long as you take the time to learn it. Right. So um, this is the triple read. So you can get, you know, a really quiet call with it. You can get real loud with it. Yeah. So a variation of calls through that. And is there, to the um, vo loudness, as you just mentioned, I mean, you don't want to be, you know, really, really loud. So, I mean, you just try to, again, right. mimic that natural sound, yep. right? Exactly. And um, this year, you know, with, well, every year when we go hunting, we, um, like Don Donnell touched on, uh, calling is huge. If you're wanting to get into elk hunting, calling is pretty much a must. Like she had mentioned, uh, you know, in a rifle season in December, even then, we've gone out rifle hunting in December, and, I mean, the elk herd would be a thousand yards away. We let out a bugle, and 30 cows broke off the herd and ran right to us to 20 yards. So wow. a lot of guys who rifle hunt don't call, and, you know, they just sit and wait or spot and stalk. Mm -hmm. uh, I always find it easier to bring the animal to you than having to go get it, right? Sure. So, you know, you might as well learn to call, and, I mean, heck, all the equipment you buy is thousands of dollars, and elk call is $5. So, you know, you might as well spend the money on five bucks and learn how to use it. Um, so, so, yeah. Yep. But let's talk about, so you, you buy the, the call, and then how do you, how do you learn to, to make the different sounds? I mean, you, you can go to your dad's class, you can spend a day or two sure. with that, but then it's just hours of sort of listening. I mean, yep. is YouTube your friend in that sort of situation? Yeah. Yeah, is it really? There's a lot of information on YouTube. Um, we also sell a CD as well that, you know, walks you through a calling okay. lesson. You yeah. can play it in your car. We always recommend, uh, you know, guys or girls to practice in their car just so you don't annoy the crap out of yours. Well, that's what I was going to say. I've got, a, I've got a trumpet player at home, and that's annoying. I can't imagine if they start yeah. learning how to elk call. Yeah. Exactly. So, you know, uh, listen to the CD in the car. Call in the car. Um, it's not something, you know, that you're just going to pick up a week before the season and put it in your mouth and be right. good. 
Some people do. I mean, we with my dad putting on lessons all the time, and I help out with that. Some people are just naturals, and you know it goes in their mouth, and they're they're good to go. Um, some people not the case. So yeah. definitely practice. Well, and I would think not having done this, but I just listening to you guys. I mean, it's much like anything else. You got to be out in the field, and you've got to be interacting with the animals to figure out. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay, you may know, you may be pretty good at four different calls, but then when to use them, right? Yeah, right. So yeah. that's that's the next level stuff. And I do a seminar as well. A lot of times, all guys will come in or g- gals and. Um, we'll do uh, an hour of just working with the reed, making the sounds, and then I'll do an hour of in-the-field techniques, decoying. And I am doing a couple seminars at the Sportsman's uh, Expo as well right. on that. And, yeah. you know, just the 30-plus years I've been doing this in the field and calling elk, I've made every mistake possible that you can imagine. <laughs> so I cover a lot of those mistakes, you know, and what's really worked for me over the last 30 years to bring elk in. And, and so, But there is a lot of education and a lot of resources out there. Um, I find that working one-on-one with people, there's nothing better than that. But, you know, uh, Corey Jacobson, uh, Elk 101, they've yeah. got a great program, you know, uh, website. Chris Rowe, same thing, oh, you Chris, know, yeah. uh, sure. Rowe Hunting Resources. Yep. Great, great website. Um, and these guys know what they're doing. I mean, they're really good. So there's, there's plenty of things out there to learn from, really. So let's say you get a bull coming. Sometimes you can overcall. You can. You know, and then if they stop, then do you continue to call or, you know, do you, do you shut up? If they're coming, I mean, my biggest every situation thing that, different. That, yeah, that I preach is, you know, when that bull gets within fifty to sixty yards, you got to really slow down on the calling, especially if he's doing what you want him to do. If he's right. coming in, then just be quiet because they can pinpoint you at sixty yards like you can't believe. You know, one call at sixty yards, and he's going to snap his head up and look right where that call came from, and he wants validation. He wants to see an elk. If he doesn't see an elk, literally, you've got a minute to figure it out and make the shot. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I always preach, don't call within that 60 yard range unless he's losing interest or you're going to lose him. He's starting to walk away. And then I usually just redirect him with one or two cow calls. And the other thing is I almost always have a decoy set up behind me. I was just going to ask you about the decoy. What do you like? I, I use Montana decoys um, mainly, and I just pop them up behind me, one or two of them. And, you know, then when you do hit that cow call at 50 yards and he snaps up, they look past you and see the decoy, and that's what they, they get validation. And I've had them walk right to the decoy before. Mm, right. So it's so it let's say great. you guys are hunting together, you and Thomas, and one of you is a shooter. Will you direct? Will you put the collar back behind you, or do you guys sit right beside by side, or how do you do that? So the collar would be behind us, yep. And so like if Thomas and I were together, um, since I'm old and I only got a few more elk hunts <laughs> left, he'd put me up front and he would call. <laughs> I, you, I doubt that that actually happens. <laughs> <laughs> it happens more often. Like he, he rolls down the window right. and Thomas walks out. You know, yeah. That's if they're hunting with red. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, he might be uh, 50 yards behind me, 60 yards behind me, and, you know, and then I'll shut up on the call up front and let him try to bring that bull right past me. And the bull's looking for the collar. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a great technique. It's proven and it's awesome. Yeah, that's that's what I was going to touch on as well. You know, in the circumstance that you had brought up is if that bull is coming and once he hits that 50 to 60 yard range, it depends on the situation if you are hunting with a partner or if you're hunting by yourself. Um, If you're hunting with a partner, you know, that's why he gets a lot of people come in as a group to learn because the last thing you want to do as an experienced elk hunter is go hunting with someone who 
can't blow a call. We've seen those videos <laughs> yeah. too where the guys are just <laughs> blowing so, calls, yeah. man. You're like, what are what you doing? doing? Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's good to learn together with that hunting partner. Um, so, like last year in, and in previous years, I hunt solo a lot. So when you're hunting solo, you know, you don't have that luxury of having that caller 50 yards behind you to keep that bull coming within range. Mm -hmm. So that's when you really do need to get quiet on the call. Um, and call, you know, maybe when he's distracted, he's looking the other way, let out a little quiet cow call. Um, he'll whip around and look right for you. Yeah. But, you know, it might bring him that extra 10 steps closer where you need it. So, so Jesse, what would you say for the women out there? Like, Danelle, they're trying to get more women in the outdoors. Yeah, I think and, that's amazing. I mean, it, so, well, I'm going to try to get you. I don't know if you know her, but no, not, I well, I'll get you that, yeah, connected with like them. Because, them. <laughs> yeah, no, I think, I think it would be great and everything. Yeah. But what would you say to women out there that sometimes, hey, yeah, maybe their husband's, you know, been a hunter for years. They've never gone. But what would you say to just say, hey, give it a try. Oh, my you, gosh, you yes. Like it. Absolutely. I loved her whole mission message. Um, I think it is important. I think that's a huge piece of it is not feeling empowered enough to get out and go, you know, and even if maybe the hunting scene is a little intimidating, get out and hike, get to know the area. You know, I think that that's a big part of it too, is just being outdoors, you know, and I, after having my son and been going through college and everything, I, I haven't been as connected. Um, and it is a huge thing that's missing, you know, in my life sure. right now. And so just hearing her speak was really inspiring to just say, you know, maybe if you have been away from it a while, get back in, get connected, find um, a great resource like that where they're bringing women together. You don't have to do it alone because that is what's intimidating. Right. So hook up with a great, you know, place like that or, you know, even a, a hiking group or something, you know, to just sure. get to know the area. And um, I, I love it. I think it's great. We need more women involved in the outdoors. Yeah, my wife went w with me last year and uh, got to see for the first time, you know, from the whole time of, there he is to shoot it, right. to, to eating it. And yeah. I mean, you know, she really enjoyed it. So now, now Kevin has cost me, she wants to go do a turkey hunt. Yeah. I think. And she said, nice. I think I could shoot a turkey. So I'm like, awesome. okay, so we're working on that, but no, it is really cool. And just, and like Danelle said, man, when you're out there in the morning, the sun comes up mm -hmm. or you're out there and the sun goes, man, you, we just see some scenery that you will never see in your oh, yeah. life unless you do this. Nothing better than the outdoors. That's for sure. Yeah. And the interaction with the animals. I think oh, that's yeah. just as interesting too. It's just, the fact that, like you said, you've been doing it 30 years, Tom, and, and you learn something every time you oh, go yeah. out. Oh, yeah. and, and there is that aspect of it as well that people forget is that it, the elk hunt doesn't start in November or September when the season opens. You've got to be working at it. And that's the interesting thing with the calling is that's really something you've got to be mm -hmm. doing now mm -hmm. and getting the classes and the repetitions so that you can be ready when you start going out this summer right. and you start looking about where you're going to be hunting. Because that's... And you know... You know, a lot of the scenarios are different. I mean, with every elk. Right. You know, elk want to hear different things sometimes. Sure. And, and that's one thing, too. I think some people are so focused. It's just got to be that, that perfect sound. Nope. And, man, I'm telling you, <laughs> elk make some weird sounds yeah. sometimes. I tell, I tell people all the time that some of the worst calls I ever heard came from elk. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, you don't have to feel bad if you blow a bugle or something and right. it doesn't sound right. Because, man, I've I've I've... I've heard elk just, bah! you know, and I'm like, what is that? Right, you know? right. And then out pops an elk right in front of me, and I got my bow up my side. I'm not even ready, you know. And I'm like, wow, that was really bad. He needs to come to one of my classes. <laughs> and that's one thing good about your classes is this, is, I mean, hey, I'm sure you have all levels there. But for the most part, I mean, you can feel comfortable coming there. I mean, this is not a deal to show what you don't know. It's just right. to help you to get comfortable and make your hunt more successful. Exactly. A lot of people are just looking for validation that, 
yeah, I, I call good enough to do this. I, you know, because a lot of people, their hesitation is they, they're afraid they're going to scare them. Sure. Yeah. And, you know, if you call elk, you're going to scare elk sooner. You know, I scare elk today still. Yeah. But most of the time it works and it brings the bull and cows and, and they, they come in close. But, you know, for every elk I kill, I probably called in eight. You know, so there's always something that's going to go wrong or something that's going to happen. The wind lately has been my worst enemy, I'll tell you. Just yeah, the swirling yeah, yeah. winds and, ugh. But that's Mother Nature. They got some They got some defense mechanisms, those elk, so, and their Absolutely. nose is one of them. So talk about your class a little bit, the cost of it, and how the best way for people to get in touch with you. Sure. Uh, the cost, if you come one, just one person, and it's a one-on-one class, the first hour is $50. That comes with a basic grunt tube and two of my calls, so it's a pretty good deal. And then uh, the second hour is $30, and then um, returning customer, it's $30 an hour. Okay. So so I've get, I get people that come in, do the two hours, and then they'll go away for a month and come back and and I'll work polishing up some things and maybe they want to work on grunting specifically or something specific. And then we'll spend an hour just specifically polishing up that part of their calling. Right. And again, Kevin, I want to finish up here real quick on your end. Uh, again, just the legalities out in the field and, you know, how important it is to, again, just know the guidelines and know all the things CPW puts out their book every year. And yep. some of us can be, uh, pretty lax about reading, you know, what's yeah. new and what year and we can get in trouble. Yeah. And I think what's really important too, is this case that I just finished. Um, one of the things that people have to recognize is even when you're out with a guide, um, when you're a licensed hunter, you're, you're responsible for knowing the rules and the laws relating to hunting. And even if your guide does something wrong, you may be held responsible for mm-hmm. what that guide does, um, and recognizing what they did. Uh, I had a case, uh, that I finished a few months ago where the guide, it was a lion hunt, and the guide let the dogs out before the hunter got there um, and went started to go after that animal. And it turned out that um, the the place where they were at, they didn't know the the, the actual um, lines of the, of the, uh, the, unit. Real, yeah, okay. the unit and also just who owned the property. They thought they were on somebody's property that had given them permission. They were with the landowner. The landowner didn't know the where their property wow. line ended. Wow. And they killed the the animal off of the property line. And so the hunter got in trouble for that because they're the one that killed the animal. Sure. And they got in trouble because the dogs were let out before they got there. And that's a no-no in lion hunting as mm-hmm. well. And it's, so it's all of those sorts of things that can go badly when when you're excited, you're amped up, you've never done this before, you're, you're going to be killing a, a, an animal with a bow, and you show up and they've already done something that's not legal. You've got to recognize that and shut that hunt down. Yep. And just, just keep your head about, about you and making sure where you're at. That's why the mapping, you know, there's so many good mappings programs out there now it's just those sorts of things to to be really careful because if if cpw gets involved then they're going to be looking at everything and you just don't want to be in that situation ignorance is yeah it's not not usually not a good defense right and not not even with a guide right that was the thing that i learned i mean i'm doing this on a regular basis in these cases i learn something new every time i do i guess that's why it's so important to make sure you have a quality guide it is Somebody it is, yeah, and we can help you find those great outfitters out and there. And get on Dora and make sure that they're licensed. Right. Yep, yeah, absolutely. Because sometimes they say they are, but they're not. Yep. So, 
Well, man, guys, I wish we had a couple hours. We could have yeah. done this longer, but thank you guys for coming in today. Sure. Mile High Note Game Calls, check them out. And, again, it's the Colorado Springs Sportsman and Boat Expo, February 22nd through the 24th, 3960 Palmer Park Boulevard. Check out their website, cssportsmanexpo.com. Kevin, thank you as well. Thank you. And thank you for joining us today for Sportsman of Colorado. Have a great weekend. Catch us tomorrow, 8 a.m. and 4 p.m. on Sunday afternoons as well. Have a great weekend. Opinions expressed on KLZ 560 are those of the speaker, commentators, hosts, their guests, and callers. They are not necessarily the views and opinions of Crawford Broadcasting or KLZ Management, employees, associates, or advertisers. KLZ 560 is a Crawford Broadcasting God and Country station.